Hi, you're listening to the Urban Uncovered podcast with me, your host, Ayata Rebin. Today, we're going to be talking all about the idea of brain plasticity. Now, this has been discovered and forgotten many, many times over the centuries. I mean, the ancient Greeks accepted the idea, with Socrates believing that people could train in, you know, their brains the way gymnasts train their bodies. But around the time of Galileo, this idea fell out of favor, and scientists began to see the world mechanistically with each object, organ, and even parts of an organ being attributed well-defined, unchanging roles. However, it was, um, yeah, and you know, these ideas did lead to the notion of our brains being hardwired, but they're taking an overturn in, you know, our modern day and age. So yeah, this machine we have residing in our skulls is constructed for change. It's all about change. It confers on us the ability to do things tomorrow that we can't do today. Things today that we couldn't do yesterday. And of course, um, it's kind of a little selective representation of you, of who you are. So, um, yeah. Now, if I was to go back and tell you why this is very important, I mean, um, most of, you know, most of the life of the brain is... Um, under the control of a behavioral context so it's what you pay attention to it's what's rewarding to you that's what modifies and changes the brain it's what the brain regards itself as uh, uh, positively reinforcing for you Um, it's all about cortical processing and forebrain specialization Um, so yeah that is you in uh, your many skills and abilities Um, uh, so you're a little unique specialist a specialist that's vastly different um, um, you know, in your brain from an individual a hundred years ago or even a thousand years ago. Now, one of the characteristics of this change process is that information is always, you know, related to other inputs or information that is occurring in immediate time and context. And that's because the brain is constructing representations um, of things that are co- correlated in like little moments of time that relate to one another in little moments of successive time. The brain is recording all information, driving all change in temporal context. Now, overwhelmingly, the most powerful context that's occurred in your brain is you. You guessed it. Billions of events have occurred in your history that are related in, you know, in time to yourself as the receiver or yourself as the actor, yourself as the thinker and even the mover. Billions of times, little pieces of sensation have come in from the surface of your body that are always associated with you as the receiver and that result in the embodiment of you. You're constructed. Yourself is constructed from these billions of events. It's constructed, it's created in your brain, and it's created in the brain via physical change. So this is a marvelously constructed thing that results in individual form because each one of us has vastly different histories and vastly different experiences that drive into us this marvelous differentiation of self or i would like to say of personhood so yeah now um the last time you were in the presence of a baby i think you noticed that there's really no um real indication that there's any thinking going on in fact there's little evidence that there's any cognitive ability in a very young infant infants don't respond to you know to much and there's not really much of an indication in fact there's that there's a person um on board and um they can only in a very primitive way and in a very limited way control their movements so it would be several months before this infant can do something as simple as you know reach out and grasp under voluntary control an object and retrieve it usually to the mouth 
and it will be some months beforeward and we see a you know a long steady progression of the evolution from the first wiggles to rolling over and sitting up and, and crawling um standing walking before we get to that magical point in which we can you know uh, move around in the world and yet when we look forward in the brains we see really remarkable advance by this age the brain can actually store it has stored recorded um and can you know fastly retrieve the meanings of thousands tens of thousands of objects actions and the relationships in the world how so and these relationships can in fact be constructed in you know hundreds of thousands of potentially millions of ways so yeah um, and by a certain age the brain controls very refined perceptual abilities and it has actually a growing repertoire of cognitive skills um this brain is a very much um you can say it's a thinking machine and by this age there's absolutely no question that this brain has a person on board and in fact at this age it is substantially controlling its own self-development and by this age we see a remarkable evolution in its capacity to control movement so yeah it goes on in progressive stages but what are what is underpinning those progressive stages um yeah see that's i don't know this is all another way of just saying that our individual skills and abilities are very much shaped by our environments um that environment extends into our contemporary culture the thing our brain is challenged with because what we've done in our personal evolution is build up a large repertoire of specific skills and abilities that are specific to our own individual histories and in fact they result in a wonderful differentiation in humankind in the way that in fact no two of us are quite alike you know every one of us has a set of acquired skills and adaptive um you know um abilities that all derive out of plasticity to make us who we are you know in an adult brain of course we've built up a large repertoire of mastered skills and abilities that we can perform more or less automatically just from memory and um that define us as acting moving thinking living creatures so yeah now how do scientists exactly study this they do so by engaging the brains of animals like rats or monkeys and they try to track changes that occur um in those animals as they engage in learning new skills and abilities and in fact they do this in individuals of any age as well um you know from infancy infancy up to adulthood and old age so um let me give you an example hmm so they might engage your rat for example to acquire um a new a skill that might involve the rat using its uh, paw to master you know a particular manual grasp behaviors um just like they might examine a child in their ability to acquire the sub skills of um you know um mastering the ability to read or they might even look at an old person and uh, see how they've mastered a complex set of abilities that might relate to reading musical notation or um yeah or investigate the mechanical act of uh, playing a piece of piano music so yeah there you go now from these studies the greatest discovery that came out of it um was the critical period and that is the period in which the brain is setting up you know it, uh, in its initial form its basic processing machinery um this is actually a period of dramatic change in which it doesn't take learning per se to drive the initial differentiation of the machinery of the brain um all it takes um for example in the sound domain is exposure to sound and the brain actually is at the mercy of the sound environments in which it is reared 
Um, now, in the early period of plasticity, the brain actually changes outside of a learning context. I don't have to be paying attention to what I hear. The input doesn't really have to be meaningful. Um, I don't have to be in a behavioral context. Um, you know, this is required so the brain sets up its processing so that it can act differentially, but it's not uh, a necessity. So, um, yeah. Now, this this uh, critical period applies uh, to most of our life. Uh, the brain is actually refining its machinery constantly, um, and it extends from late in the first year of life to death. And it's actually doing this under behavioral control, <laughs> of course. And um, that's another way of saying that the brain has strategies that you know define the significance of the input to the brain. And it's focusing on skill after skill, ability after ability, under specific attentional control. It's a function of whether a goal um, in a behavior is, you know, um, powerful or not. Um, yeah, so um, this lifelong capacity for plasticity, for brain change, is powerfully expressed. And it is the basis of our real differentiation, one individual from another. Um, so, yeah, this all leads us back to your issue as it relates to science. So how can we use this? Um, uh, to maintain our own high-functioning learning machine. Um, I mean, uh, of course, a well-ordered life uh, that involves learning is a continuing, like, um, essential part of it. Um, it is key. Uh, but also, in your future, um, there's this thing called brain aerobics. So yeah, <laughs> get ready for it. Um, it's uh, it's going to be a big part of every life, not too far in the future. Just like physical exercise um, is a part of every well-organized life in the contemporary, like in our contemporary period. Um, the other way that we will ultimately come to understand and consider this uh, literature and science um, is by considering how it can, you know, nurture your own brain. Now that you know, now that science is telling us that you are in changing, you have an ever-changing, malleable brain, I think it's time to acknowledge that you are in charge and it's, um, it's really under your control that your happiness, your well-being, your abilities, capacities are capable of continuous modification, continuous improvement, and you're uh, the responsible agent. So yeah, <laughs> um, of course, a lot of people will ignore this advice. Um, it will be a long time before they really understand it, but that's not my fault. That's not my issue to deal with. Um, anyways, I really hope this uh, episode has been of good use. Thank you for listening all the way till the end, and I'll be talking to you very soon. Bye.